This message is a ministry of Plainville Baptist Church. www.plainvillebaptistchurch.org Turn your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Corinthians 15. And this week I was reminded of um, the verse... I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Um, and one other verse, Hebrews 13, 1 and 2 says, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality, for by it some have entertained angels without knowing it. I want to read just a, a note here, and, and I, I want to commend each one of you who've expressed hospitality to those who visit our church weekly. Um, I received an email from a guest this past week, and I want to share just a portion of it. And I hope your heart leaps like my heart leapt when I read this. Um, here's the note. Just a short note to thank you for allowing me to attend last Sunday's service at your church and the warm welcome I received from your parishioners. Although I initially felt a bit awkward and out of place, <clears throat> I was quickly put at ease by the welcoming congeniality of your fellowship. The church had a stranger in their midst, and they treated me as if I were a member of the family. It was a true pleasure being among them. Uh, when I hear things like this, my heart rejoices before God uh, because of who you are and what God is doing in your own hearts through the Spirit, by the gospel. And I am just overjoyed, and I wanted you to know that. So with that, let's read together 1 Corinthians, <clears throat> excuse me. A little small frog in my throat. <laughs> Starting in verse 35 in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But someone will say, how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body do they come? You fool. That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body just as He wished. And to each of the seeds a body of its own. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one flesh of men and another flesh of beasts, and another flesh of birds, and another of fish. There are heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of stars, for star differs from star in glory. Verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body, it is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So also as it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth earthy. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthy, so also are those who are earthy. And as is the heavenly, so also those who are heavenly. Just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we will also bear the image 
of the heavenly. Let us pray. Father, we do love you and your word. We pray, O oh God, that you would help us to understand the truth of your word, this resurrection of which Paul speaks, that we might see it and glory in it because of what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do in the resurrection. Father, we thank you for this. We ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> As the Apostle Paul continues to address the resurrection, its certainty, the consequences if there is no resurrection, and now he addresses the nature of the resurrection. He uses the question of a skeptic concerning the resurrection. Someone will say, how is there a resurrection? How, how are people raised from the dead? What kind of body do they come with? Now, there may be those who scoff at the resurrection. How can God raise the dead? They decay, their bones, their, their ashes are dispersed. They may be eaten or burned. What's God going to do with that? How is He going to do anything with that? Paul answers the, the foolish objection to the resurrection by using the illustration in which he compares seeds and plants. And so the first aspect of this nature of the resurrection that we see is the death before the resurrection. In verse 36, Paul says, You fool, that which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. There's a death before the resurrection. If a plant is going to come to life, the seed from which it springs must die. There can be no life unless it dies. Such is the way with the resurrection. If we are to live in the resurrection, these bodies must die. Now, Paul does later speak of an exception. We're not going to look at that today. But, if you are to enter into the resurrection, this body must be placed into the ground. As a general rule, you cannot avoid it. And I don't mean placed into the ground, it has to be buried. It, it means this body has to die. Because not everyone is placed into the ground. People are lost at sea. People are eaten by animals. Uh, all kinds of things take place. What the Apostle Paul says by this is, is, is this very thing. You... Every one of you and myself sitting here, you have not yet begun to live. You have not yet begun to live. You've not yet begun to live. What we currently call life is just a seed. It is just, yes, this little thing here, just a seed. Trust me if you can't see that. Just this Yes, it is a seed. That's, that's our life right now. That's what Paul is trying to say. What we currently call life is just a seed. People are trying, and look at what's going on. There, there is this, this frantic business of trying to prolong this seed, this life. Imagine, Nate. Imagine if all you did was to keep your seed in your barn. 
man, I'm going to keep this seed as long as I can. Wouldn't that be foolish? That's what people are trying to do. They're trying to prolong this seed. They talk about looking for ways to, to, to reset our DNA, to um, research some kind of fountain of youth gene to keep us from aging. I mean, how many millions of dollars are, are sold to, uh, for anti-aging cream and HGH? Uh, man, you can make millions of dollars on that. People are making millions. And look, and they sell it so well. For what? To preserve a seed? Oh, come on. They talk about um, uh, preserving a person cryogenically, freezing them until they find a cure for whatever is going to kill them. They deliver, deliberate about uploading someone's consciousness into a computer or onto the internet or into some AI in order to keep you for, forever in this seed. This is foolishness. It's foolishness. In this life, we've not yet begun to live. And I think people are frantically doing that because they're afraid of death. They're afraid of dying. They don't know. They've not seen what's over there. But I'll tell you, there is one who has seen what's over there, and he came back to tell about it. Jesus rose from the dead, and he said, I'm alive forevermore. You don't need to be afraid. But this what we have now is this seed. <clears throat> Paul says that which you sow doesn't come to life unless it first dies. What you are experiencing now, as grand as it may be at certain times, is not the life that God intends for you who know Him. This time now is not the life that Paul calls in 1 Timothy 6, that which is life indeed, or that which is undeniably life. Grab a hold of that, Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, 19. What life is, what real life is going to be in the new heaven and the earth cannot even be compared to what we currently experience. There are not even words to describe it. Paul went to heaven in a vision, and he says, I it's not lawful for me to speak about what I saw. So if somebody writes a book and is trying to sell you a book about what they saw in heaven, don't believe it. Paul said it wasn't, it wasn't lawful for you, for him to, to, to express that. There's enough written about here what, what heaven is like to assuage your curiosity. But truthfully, there aren't words to describe it. The best of this life will pale in comparison to the next life. That's what Paul is trying to describe. As different as a seed is from a plant or a flower. That's the difference between this and the next. And I tell you this, if this is your best life now, 
Some people want to say that. This, this is your best life. If this is your best life now, you're not going to be with God because God has something much, much better for you. But you know what? You need to make sure you're ready for this resurrection. All, everyone does not participate in this resurrection that makes one beautifully alive. There is a resurrection that leads to the second death into the lake that burns with fire and brimstone forever and ever. You don't want to be in that resurrection. God, I'll tell you this, does not want you to be in that resurrection, the resurrection of the condemned. He doesn't. He did everything necessary so you don't need to be in that one. But before you die, you want to be ready for the resurrection of the righteous. You want to make sure you have your passport for the right destination. You don't want to be like that man. I read a story some years ago about a man. He was going, he was flying to Oakland, and he got on the plane for Auckland. <laughs> for those of you who don't know your geography, Auckland is Australia. Oakland is California. So it was a little 13 extra, well, 26 extra hour trip for him, round trip. Um, so... You don't want to be doing that and think you're going to heaven and find out you're not. I remember a tombstone I read. I didn't read the tombstone itself, but it was printed up. There's on the tombstone, somebody said, remember me as you pass by, as I am now, once, uh, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be, so prepare for death and follow me. Now, there's one thing wrong with that. At least I'd say to this man, to follow you, I'm not content. How do I know which way you went? Right? <laughs> right? So, the, the issue is this. You need to be ready to make sure you're going to the right place. That's serious. And you can't, you can't do that after you die. You need to do that now. You need to take care of that. Before the seed that is your present life is placed into the ground, you'd better make sure that it's going to sprout upward toward the sun and not the other way around. Secondly, not only do we see the death before the resurrection, we see the design of the resurrection. The design of the resurrection. This is so important. Verse 37, Paul says, And that which you sow, you don't sow the body which is to be. When you plant the seed, this is not what comes up out of the ground. It, it's not like, whoop, seed. It's not what it is. What you sow is not the body which will be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. Perhaps of wheat or of something else. For those of you who are thinking of the resurrection as this body, it's not it. It's not the seed that's planted. It's not this. 
It's going to be much more glorious than this. As much as a seed is much more glorious, I mean a plant is much more glorious than the seed that's planted. You know what? There are black seeds and there are white seeds, but one is not better than the other. They will each produce their own particular glory. One is not more beautiful than the other. One is not more glamorous. In heaven, there are not black seeds or white seeds, but glorious flowers surrounding the throne of God to His glory because the Lamb of God was shed, shed His blood for your sin so that you might be resurrected in that glory. When Jesus appears... We will glow in the glory of the Lamb of God because we will see Him as He is and we will be like Him. A seed is something that's just planted in hope, right? Uh, March, April, probably even earlier, you're putting stuff in the, in the warm house, right? You're planting these with hope, right? Planting these in hope that they will grow. That's what the resurrection is about. This seed planted in hope. What Paul says. People aren't normally enamored with seeds. People don't take pictures of their seeds. I saw... Uh, I saw Abby had some nice pictures. I think maybe James took the pictures of Abby's flowers around, around their house. Was it? She takes most of them. Uh, but I never saw Abby take any pictures of seeds. I'm not on Facebook that much, so maybe she did, and I missed them. But <laughs> nobody takes pictures of their seeds. People take pictures of the plants, the flowers. People don't comment on, man... Look how beautiful the seed is. Is this awesome? Is that awesome? You know, it really, it really looks like like a little rabbit. Do do do. You know. um, but I mean, it, it's it's just who who like who like. I mean, you might get excited. <laughs> you, you might get excited about. Oh, you take pictures. Oh, this is a good seed. Um, you get excited probably about that. You know. Hey, look, the new seeds come in this year. Woo! Uh, but. Besides farmers, who takes pictures of their seeds? Um, if all you can... If, I was ready for that. If all, you, <laughs> if all you can picture of the resurrection is what your body looks like now, you're missing the beauty and the glory of the resurrection. See, see, listen, this is, don't understand, listen, this is the resurrection. This is the resurrection out of this. Which one do you want? Do you want to keep this for as long as you can? Or do you want that? Or that? Or some other glory? There is. And Paul says that too, there's, there's heavenly glories, earthly glories, all kinds of glories. And we need to see this, the sooner that the rain 
falls on it. The sooner the, fall, the, the rain falls on it, the sooner it decays and feels the warmth of the sun and hears the sun's invitation to come up here into the light, the sooner it will rise into its glory. Lastly, and, and listen, listen, I want you to do this. I, I want you to do this because, listen, Take one down, pass it around. Okay, take those over there. Just pass that down that way and that way. Because this is what I want you to do. I want you to take one, put it into a pot maybe, and say, this is me before the resurrection. And when it comes up, say, I hope it comes up. (laughs) When it comes up, if it doesn't come up for you, you better ask, Lord, am I right with you? Maybe you want to hold on to the seed to remind you really how glorious you are right now. Not very. Or maybe you want to plant it. So, um, praise God. You know, I went looking for seeds and it's this sermon germinated too late, so I couldn't find any, but praise God, I found some at Tyree Mart, and um, uh, so I'm glad for that, but listen, think about that, don't, these, this is not Lord's Supper, don't eat them, take one, if you don't want one, just let it pass, okay, I don't want little, let's see, people tripping all over the place. Lastly, the Apostle Paul talks about the diversity of the resurrection. The diversity, just what our friend mentioned earlier, is different glories. In verses 38 to 41, Paul says this, God has given to it a body just as He wished to each of the seeds its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh. There is one flesh of men and another flesh of beasts and another flesh of birds, of fish, heavenly bodies, earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one. The glory of the earthly is another. There's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. Perhaps in your mind, like I did growing up thinking, you've had this image, this black and white image of heaven in your mind. Oh, there's some bright light, but everything else around is kind of like dark, and, and that's really it. You know, that's the furthest thing from the reality of the new heaven and the new earth. In these verses, Paul uses the diversity of the current creation to describe the diversity of those who will be partakers of the resurrection. The diversity is not simply those who will be there. That is part of it. In Revelation, it says that there will be people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And that will be glorious. That will be awesome. But Paul is talking about the glory and beauty of each individual in heaven, in the new earth. Um, He hints at it in verse 41. Star differs from star in glory. Maybe um, 
You've seen that on YouTube where they have the comparison of all the different heavenly bodies. And you see there's the earth and then there's our sun and, and it goes all the way to like the largest star we know. So, so what, what do you have? You have, you have the earth, a million point three, 1.3 million earths can fit into our sun. But the largest star, over 9 billion suns can fit into that star. Differing. Star differs from star in glory. All kinds. There's small stars, gigantic stars, bright stars, dim stars, white, blue, red, orange, all kinds of stars. They differ from star in glory. Such will be the resurrection of the dead. Bless God. Diversity will be evident in the new heaven and the new earth. To the glory of God, there will be these kinds of diversity of the resurrection. But what determines that diversity? The Apostle Paul, I believe, references Daniel chapter 12 here. Daniel speaks about this. He says, those who have spiritual insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Those out of their love for God fulfill His work for them regardless of the cost, regardless of the consequences, regardless of the fear that it induces in them, regardless of the difficulty it might cause them. Those will find their reward in the beauty with which they shine for all eternity to the glory of God because it's God who gives their service increase. Excuse me. It's not necessarily those. Those who who are going to shine brightly. It's not necessarily those who who we might first think. It's not those who we might seem as the most outward in their outreach. Um, There might be some very unexpected glory for their work that didn't seem to bear much fruit outwardly, but made a great difference in reaching a soul for Jesus Christ quietly, inwardly. You don't know what your service, what effect your service for Jesus Christ will produce. That's why we ought to be faithful to that. You ever, anybody ever hear of Ed Kimball? Yeah, exactly. Who? Ed Kimball. Did he lead a significant life? Maybe not as we think of it. Ed Kimball was a Sunday school teacher. He had a group of young men, 15. And he heard that he was going to die young. He said, I need to reach these men in my class for Jesus before I die. He went to a certain Boston shoe clerk, one of the men in his class, an 18-year-old young man, and he sought to share the gospel with him. D.L. Moody trusted Christ that day that Ed Kimball went to his shoe store and shared the gospel with him. What's amazing about that is that D.L. Moody, when he went 
to England and preached in England. There was a small church pastor named F.B. Meyer who, does, who had this great evangelistic zeal when he heard Moody preach. And Meyer had the opportunity to go to the United States and preach to some students on a college campus. And he didn't get canceled, by the way. He went and he preached the gospel on a college campus. And a young man named J. Wilbur Chapman got saved. And he began to work in at the YMCA. Now, back when the C meant something in YMCA, a Christian, yeah, it does. And they actually employed evangelists in their work at the YMCA so those young men could become Christian. And so, J. Wilbur Chapman employed a man named Billy Sunday, former baseball player, who gave up a huge contract because he got saved and wanted to bring the gospel to people. He employed Billy Sunday as a staff evangelist at the YMCA. Well, Billy Sunday was invited to go preach at Charlotte, North Carolina. And he preached the gospel there at Charlotte, Charlotte North Carolina. And a group of the, the, the older men in that community were so excited about this that they called, they said, we need to have another evangelistic campaign. They called a man named Mordecai Ham. And he came to Charlotte for two to three months. He had, he had evangelistic campaign that lasted there in Charlotte for two to three months. As he was preaching there, there was a young man who came to Jesus Christ, who was trying to avoid it for those weeks that he had gone to see him. And he said, you know what? I don't like the way he's preaching. I'm going to sit, I'm going to volunteer for the choir so I can, he can be, I can be behind his back. And that night when he was preaching, he said, he's preaching right to me. He turned to his friend, um, Grady Wilson, and said, let's go. And he got saved that night. Well, Billy Graham was that young man, all because a man named Ed Kimball was faithful to his Sunday school class to make sure that each one of his students knew Jesus Christ. You'd look at Ed Kimball and you'd say, but God is going to see that in the resurrection, He will have a glory. Listen, I want to I focus as we close here. Paul says something very interesting in verse 37. That which you sow, you don't sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or something else. Paul was saying, and by this, categorizing two different seeds, groups of seeds. Excuse me. He said, perhaps a grain of maybe wheat or something else. There's two types of seeds in the world concerning the resurrection. There's wheat and weeds. That passage that Chris read this morning, 
here was this landowner who had this field, and he planted good seed, and, and an enemy came and put weeds throughout, and his servants came and said, there are weeds here. Who did this? And he said, an enemy has done this. Should we pull up the weeds now? No, leave them to grow. You might damage the wheat, but at the harvest, gather up the weeds, bundle them up, burn them, but then gather my wheat into the barn. You see, you're either a wheat or a weed. You're either going to be in the resurrection of the righteous or the resurrection of the condemned. And I'll tell you this, God does not want you to be condemned. He wants you to receive the gift of eternal life and the resurrection that comes with it. And I hope God has been stirring your own heart over this resurrection. If you are here today without Christ, you say, I need that resurrection. I want that resurrection. You see, in that, those who are without Christ will be gathered up and burned forever and ever. God does not want that for you. He sent His Son to die on the cross for you to give you life. Forever life, eternal life, glory in life, real life. If you've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, you're one of the weeds Jesus spoke of, but God wants to make you His wheat. And if you call upon Him, the good news is that you can be changed from a weed into wheat and have eternal life and become one of God's children. I want to tell you, for your sake, you who need Christ, this story. Last week, I was, I got a phone call from a man, and, and to do the conversation, I'll give him a little accent so you can know it's me or the guy on the other side of the phone, but I get this call and said, uh, sir, my name is Wesley, and I am from your electric company. Said, oh, yes, what can I do for you? Sir, we want to give you a 30% rebate for your electric bill because of COVID. I said, oh, Wesley. What electric company are you with? He said, sir, we are your supplier for National Grid. I said, oh, Wesley. <laughs> I, I don't have National Grid. I, I, I belong to a small co-op, town co-op that produces my electricity. I said, but Wesley, I've got a question for you, uh, a very important question. If you were to die today and you were to stand before God, would you go to heaven or hell? And he said, sir, I would go to hell. I said, Wesley, God doesn't want you to go to hell. He doesn't want you to perish. Did you know that? No, sir. Wesley, do you know what God did for you so you wouldn't have to go to hell, that you could have eternal life? No, sir. Wesley, God sent his son for you to die on your behalf, to die for your sin. And if you call upon Him, you can be saved today. You can be given eternal life. You see, Wesley, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the acceptable time. Today's the day for you to receive Christ. Will you receive Him today, Wesley? And then 
almost garbled, like he took the, the mouthpiece away from the phone, I heard him say, Lord Jesus, save me. I went, Wesley, praise God. He says, sir, I must tell you something. What, Wesley? Sir, you have made my day. <laughs> Are you kidding? You made my day. And God made your eternity. Friends, if you're here without Christ today, the same promise is true for you. Today is the day of salvation. Today's the acceptable time. And praise God that you can call upon Him while there is yet time. And if you've not received Him as we close in prayer here, as we have an invitation time, let me encourage you just to come to the front, just to come and receive Christ. Somebody will be here to pray with you and to receive the Lord so you can receive the Lord if you will simply come as we sing. That's all. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. If, you, if you've come with a friend, say, would you go with me? Maybe someone will go with you. I'll feel better if somebody goes with me. You come as we sing. Let's pray together. Father, I do thank you for this day. I thank you for the word that you've given to us in the resurrection. Such a lengthy chapter. So many things to tell us about what you have planned for us. Oh God, we are so grateful to you for the Lord Jesus who will bring us into this glory of heaven. Oh, Father, if there are some here today who do not know you as their Savior, oh, God, please, open their hearts, convince them in their own heart and mind, help them to see that today is the day of their salvation. Today is the day that they can call upon you and receive you as Savior. Father, I praise you and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. As you stand, I have one question. How are you going to disciple Wesley? The Ethiopian eunuch went on his way back to Ethiopia. God provided someone for him. God will provide someone for Wesley. Please stand. We're going to sing just as I am. Sing, would you come? If you need Christ as your Savior, you come as soon as we sing. together. Father, thank you for this day and for your love for us, for your mercy in Christ and your salvation. 
that's found in Him. Father, I pray and ask for Your work in our own hearts. Help us, Lord, to remember people like Wesley who call us, whom who else would reach? God, remind us of that. People thousands of miles away in another country that's close to the gospel that we might be able to speak with. Oh, God, please help us to remember that. And Lord, if there are some without Christ, that they would trust in you, they would receive you, oh God. Father, we thank you for this day. Please bring us back tonight to hear of this man born blind whom Jesus interacted with, brought to the light. Father, we thank you for this day and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.